Mac Power Users, episode 255, photos for the Mac, iPad, and iPhone. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you doing, Katie? I'm well, David. How are you? I am. Um, I'm kind of excited to talk about photos, It's uh, which is a subject that I didn't know I'd ever be excited to talk about. <laughs> you know, you made that bold proclamation last year saying you were going to fix photos. And if Apple wasn't going to do it, you were going to do it yourself. I was going to roll up my sleeves, you know, get out my basic, my book on basic programming. I was going to fix it for everybody. I yeah. had a plan. You you were nervous about that because we were just going to have to end the podcast. If Apple didn't fix it, I was afraid. Well, there's a good story about that, and I'm going to tell you about it in just a minute. But uh, before we do that, let's uh, handle a little bit of the show business. Um, the move to Relay is complete. Thanks, everyone, for um, the great well wishes we've been receiving on Twitter and email. Yep. Appreciate them all. Um, uh, sorry if you received some RSS feed duplication. You may have got a couple uh, copies of some of our episodes as the transition happened. That's not going to be a regular thing. Once you're hooked up to the new feed, everything should just work fine. Yeah. And for those of you who are still having any kind of trouble subscribing to the feed, I'm sorry about that. I don't really know what to tell you other than sometimes RSS feed redirection is wonky. And sometimes the best thing to do is just delete the feed and then resubscribe to the new one. Um, and again, you can find directions on how to do that at our new site uh, at relay.fm slash MPU. Uh, the other thing that I do want to address and I don't want to dwell on it um, is I just want to say we kind of blew it last episode, and that just kills me. Um, you know, with the David Allen episode, it was our, our relaunch show on Relay, and uh, a couple of people have written in, most of you have been very kind, uh, about the clicking noise that you may have noticed in the background of, of that episode. I won't get into all the details. It was obviously something that was in the environment that we had hoped that we could remove in post-production, and then... Things kind of went from bad to worse when we didn't get a separate audio recording and um, we ended up having to recreate the audio recording from a backup. Uh, our audio engineer spent hours and hours trying to recreate this audio file so that we didn't lose the interview. And um, all I can say is that's not the norm and I'm sorry about it. Yeah, uh, we it was not insignificant efforts taken, though. So anyway, it's it's good content. Um, David had some clicking back there, but it's OK. It's not the usual thing here. Um, uh, so this show, it's just Katie and I, and uh, we decided that it's time to talk about photo management. I call photo management the white whale of computers because it's just so hard to manage. Um, and uh, I think Apple may have made a lot of progress. And that's why we're both pretty excited to talk about it. The um, when I made that proclamation last year, what I was really thinking was that I was going to write a Max Sparky field guide on photo management. In fact, I have an entire book outlined here in Omni Outliner on that subject. Do you? Wow! Uh, yeah, I was all excited to write it, and and I have all these very you know, uh, very detailed plans on how to sync your photos with Dropbox and all these third party solutions and chewing gum and band aids. Then Apple just went out and released the new version of Photos. And we all said, well, you know, they, I'm sure they can make a good interface. Can they manage a big set of photos? Because iPhoto certainly doesn't handle a big set of photos very well. Well, it turns out they, they do. They do. Uh, the new version of Photos actually handles a large library really well. Then we said, well, yeah, they can do that. But they can't do the cloud syncing thing because, that's you know, it's Apple. That's not their thing. And it turns out that, you know, people like me are syncing 35,000 image libraries, no problem. 
it's like photos solved so many problems with people's uh, photo management that I, I realized that this book I've got outlined may not need to be written because I think for the vast majority of our listeners that use Macs and iPads and iPhones, photos is the solution. So then I had to rethink the whole thing and I got thinking, well, I'm not going to do a book on, on one application because writing a lot of words about the application doesn't make sense. It makes more sense just to show people like I did with the OmniFocus video field guide. So guess what I've been doing, Katie, for the last month? I, I'm thinking you probably spent hours and hours and hours and hours making one of those cute video field guides. I did. I made a photos video field guide. I, I was just looking at the file before we got on. Uh, it's 36 gigabytes is my source file. All the video I recorded and audio I did. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the final video came out to two and a half hours. It's 1.6 gigabyte download. So it's not 36 if you're buying it. And uh, you can get it at maxbarkey.com slash photos. And it will be and out by the time the show releases? Yes, it will. It will Excellent. be out. So you can just go check it out. And it's, like I said, it's two and a half hours with me giving you soup to nuts instruction on photos on the Mac, iPad and iPhone. So whatever you want to know about this application, if you want someone to walk you through, go check it out. MaxBarkey.com slash photos. Now, you, you uh, shared with me, um, you know, this is this is two and a half hours for our listeners to watch that you tracked your time on yeah, this. I did. Well, you know, I just because now that I've you know, now that you've, you know, quit, that you've my job. quit your job, it's, it's kind of important to know how long these things take. Just out of curiosity, our, our listeners might be curious to know um, how much time ballpark. And, and if you don't want to share it, an exact number, it, it's, it's actually embarrassing. How much it's time 80, does it take? 80, 83 hours. Oh, my goodness. 83 hours. 83 I mean, hours. And you're uh, going to look at it and you're going to like, that's the best he could do with 83 hours. I, I know that's what you're going to say, but don't tell me. Just uh, think it. Wow. But uh, it, it's, it's just a long time. I mean, you know, screencasting you know, to get it right, it takes time and a lot of editing and, you know, whatever. So, uh, I got a lot of time in this thing, but I'm really proud of it. So if you want to learn more about photos, we're going to give you a full show. We're not holding anything back. So you may get all you need just from listening to the show, but if you want someone to walk you through it, go to maxbarkycom slash photos. I appreciate your support and I hope you enjoy that video. Yeah. Well, I will say I, I got a preview look at it, uh, and it, it is, it is well worth well worth their time. And uh, I, ho I hope you think it's well worth yours as well. We, the community certainly appreciates what you do. But let's let's dig in here for the for the Mac Power users community. And I, I think probably the place to start here is is let's go back in time a little bit and, and talk a little bit about how we got here. I, I don't know about you, but when I think back, I think I got my very first digital camera in 2001, 2002. I think it was a Nikon Coolpix. 995 maybe if memory serves and I think it cost me almost a thousand dollars wow you weren't messing around no no uh, I, I I waited a few years but um I'd like to go back even further than that because okay. uh, the, the show is going to talk about photo management and photo editing and photo sharing and there's there's lots of pieces to this but the one that's been causing fits for people for the last few years is, is photo management and you know let's talk about the time before digital cameras yeah you know? um you're old enough to remember that right oh i i, I was dating myself i was a photography buff I, you know and in, in my yeah. in my high school was one of the the few we were very fortunate in our county we actually had a dark room so i know how to process you, photos. you know about the fixer you know the, about that yeah that's the fix and the stop and the what was the yeah. first one um 
I don't remember. The developer, the fix and the stop, I think. And then you would burn it manually with a light, right? You remember that? Yeah, that's that's where the terms dodge and burn came from, because you would literally, you would use your hands to dodge the light and to add more light to burn certain images in. There's something about the smell of a dark room. Is that bad? I shouldn't say I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to get you a candle that Let's is keep moving a dark room scented. <laughs> dark room scented candle, yes. <laughs> yes. And then the, the uh, but, chemicals would get on your fingers and you just kind of smell it. Never mind. Moving on. All right. I'm getting worried about you, Katie. Yeah. Um, oh, it just takes me back. But the but the idea back then was you took your pictures and photo management wasn't hard then because it was real simple. You took pictures. You didn't take as many because it cost you money for every right? time you click the button. I was like, and, here's a quarter. Here's a quarter. Here's a quarter. Yeah. Maybe more than yeah. that. And then you'd you'd pick up the images and you'd, you know, like half of them would be underexposed, overexposed, or completely unusable. And you'd throw away about half of them. And the other third would be of your finger, you know, because it's covering the shutter or whatever. (laughs) And then, but at the end of the the day, you'd have a limited number of photos that you liked. And you probably had a shoebox or something like that that you put them in or an album. And so photo management was never a problem for our parents. You know, you just, you took the pictures, you put them in a box and that your photos were managed. And if they were really clever, they put them in chronologically, but you know, that didn't always happen either. Um, so photo management wasn't difficult. Then uh, we had the digital revolution and Katie bought her fancy, her first fancy digital camera. And at that time, um, you took the pictures with a camera, not with your phone or your iPad or anything else. And you save the pictures to your computer. And, and that really wasn't too difficult either. I mean, that wasn't a photo management problem because there's one place the pictures got taken and one place they got stored. In a lot of ways, the first digital cameras and computers were essentially old film cameras and old shoeboxes. Um, they worked in the same paradigm. So and it wasn't like you could take many photos because the, the cards didn't hold that much and the computers didn't hold that much either. Yeah. So so if there was any photo management problem at that time, it was the first time we had the problem where people could take unlimited pictures. Right. So you had to manage it in that way. In fact, we did a show on Mac Power Users probably five years ago where the big thrust of my argument through the show was you should be going through your computer and deleting. There's no reason to have, you know, 200 pictures of your kid's birthday party, have the 20 great ones. Yeah. You got some feedback about that, as I recall. Yeah. But anyway, I still believe that. Um, uh, so either way, um, uh, but th- that was at all that if there was any problem, that was the problem. But then things get more complicated because now um, you've got multiple cameras instead of just one camera. You've got your phone, your iPad. Maybe you have an actual digital camera. So you've got all these things that can take pictures. And then you've got more than one shoebox. You've got your your Mac and you've probably got an iPhone and maybe an iPad or something else. And you want to see your pictures. So not, you want your pictures to be everywhere. You want everything to be able to take pictures. Uh, the cameras have incru- improved in quality so much that the, the files are bigger than ever. And suddenly uh, we've all hit this block wall over the last few years. And the first the first um, sacrificial lamb to this was iPhoto because iPhoto. I don't know about you, but for me, about two years ago became unusable. I mean, they've issued some updates and whatnot, but a thirty five thousand photo library and iPhoto doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You, you load it, it up. It doesn't scroll you go, like butter. You, you go make tea and you come back and it's still loading and then you scroll and it's not working. So you scroll a little bit more and then you realize it was scrolling, but it was buffering while it was scrolling. So it just blew past wherever you wanted to go. And now you've got to wait for it to go back. And I mean, it just, it wasn't up to the task. So the shoebox was faulty 
And, and meanwhile, you're still getting bigger cameras and taking more pictures. And Apple had some solutions like, you know, some of the, the original iCloud photo solutions where you had the shared role that was across your devices, but it was kind of mysterious about how long pictures would stay there and they'd go. And, and, you know, everybody was confused so, so much so that a lot of our nerd friends just gave up on the whole thing and said, okay, that's it. I'm putting my pictures in Dropbox and I'm done with iPhoto. And a lot of people have been pretty happy with that solution of just putting their pictures in Dropbox. I, I've never thought of it as a as an ideal solution, though, because I want a photo management app that I can make edits to my photos. I want one where I can easily see and share them. I mean, that that is a, a nerd solution, you know, more than anything else. You know, I'm going to put them in, yeah, the, in the finder and I'm going to search for them. So I, I don't think that was really the solution, although that that was better than an unusable application. Then meanwhile, Apple had a separate kind of pro software, which is Aperture, which I used for a long time which was a little snappier and better at handling big libraries, but it also had a bunch of tools in it for, for pro photographers that I didn't really need. I mean, I really fell somewhere between iPhoto and Aperture for a long time. And so we've got this, this mess and it's just growing on itself. And I don't know about you, but even um, because of the problems with iPhoto and Aperture being too much for me, I was finding myself discovering folders full of pictures from vacations and whatnot that I wasn't putting in iPhoto and I just didn't really have a uniform solution. And and I knew this year I was going to figure it out. I was going to figure it out and write a book about all the different ways to do it. And then Apple releases photos in the beta for iOS 10.10.3. And, and I, we knew that we were, this app was going to come out. We just didn't know when they, they had said it would be early this year. But in my mind, like I said at the beginning of the show, I was very concerned about, you know, is the company that's making iPhoto going to make a new photo management app that can keep up with my library? And even if they can do that, are they going to be able to make a cloud solution that can keep it in sync everywhere? And frankly, I had a lot of questions in my mind as to whether they could pull that off or not. Right, because, you know, iCloud hasn't exactly had the most stellar past. Well, I mean, some of it has and some of it hasn't. I, iCloud is one of the problems with iCloud is it's a big name used for 20 different services and 20 different departments and parts of it have worked better than others. But, you know, they, they made a lot of promises. And uh, last year after WWDC, we were all kind of giddy. Then there was kind of like the honeymoon. Then there was kind of the hangover when people realized, oh, man, they put all this stuff in and now some things are breaking because they're changing everything. And the question was, on what side of that was photos going to land? Was it going to land on the side of saying, wow, this is really great. They got the iCloud to work and it can manage all my pictures. Or was it going to be a hot mess? And as soon as I loaded the first beta, um, I I knew there was good news and bad news. Um, The good news was it was looking like Apple was going to actually pull this off. And the bad news was all the time I put into my photo management book might be flushed (laughs) down the toilet. And um, I used it throughout the beta and, and even then I was a little leery of saying much. I made a couple of references to the show and on the blog over, you know, the months of the beta, Apple said you could talk about it. There was no limitations on our ability to talk about it. So, uh, but I didn't want to get people too excited about it because I, I got thinking, well, cloud syncing is working really great, but that's because, you know, it's like 1% of 1% of the people that would be using it once it goes into wide distribution. So Sure, cloud syncing may work when there's, you know, 10,000 people using it. But what about when there's 10 million people using it? So uh, I didn't want to say much. But then they released it to the public and I uploaded my wife's library and mine. And they're working just as snappy as they were in the beta. And I got, you know, I got thinking, you know, 
Apple has pulled this off. They've actually made a photos application that can manage my photos and sync it to all my devices. So now I have, you know, four shoe boxes and I have four cameras and they all work and talk to each other. And photos for me now are better than they've ever been. And that's when I said, okay, I'm going to do a whole video field guide on this because it's worth it. Well, all right. Well, let's let's dig in a little bit and talk about photos and, and how it works. But before we do, this might be a good break point to talk about our first sponsor for this episode. And this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Gazelle. You know, Gazelle is the fast and simple way to sell all of your used gadgets. You can find out what your used iPhone, iPad, or other Apple products are worth over at gazelle.com. That's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com. And, you know, we've got WWDC coming up. This might be a good time to go ahead and lock in some prices on your used gadgets, whether it be a Mac, whether it be an iPhone, whether it be an iPad, because you never know what's around the corner. And also new from Gazelle, you can also now buy certified pre-owned iPhones, Samsung Galaxy phones, or iPads directly from Gazelle. So if you've lost or broken your phone, a pre-certified uh, own, or pre-owned certified device uh, is a great way of buying a low-cost replacement device. And don't forget the Gazelle, uh, as always, still offers great low-cost uh, trade-ins, or excuse me, a great low-cost replacement device, or they'll offer trade-ins for your old device. So you can go to gazelle.com and see what's available for them. Um, If you want to sell your device, you can do that as well. Uh, Gazelle is great because you can get paid in cash, payment is fast, and you'll get paid within just a few days of your item being received. Uh, It's risk-free, so you can go over there now. You can punch in the information about your item, tell them that you've got an iPhone 5, uh, tell them that it's on uh, Verizon, tell them that it's in good or excellent or like new condition, um, or even tell them that it's broken. Tell them that it's got a scratch screen. Tell them that it doesn't uh, work. And Gazelle will even buy broken phones. That's fine. They'll give you an offer for it. Uh, and Gazelle will tell you what your phone is worth. You can lock in that price. Um, and they are trustworthy. They have paid out nearly $175 million to over 1 million customers. They are easy. They will even ship you a box so that you can ship your items back to them fast and no hassle. This is how I get rid of all of my Apple products. I don't want to worry about it. I don't want to do um, one of these back alley transactions where I'm worrying about, am I going to get paid? Um, am I going to get paid what I said? I w- they said I was going to get paid. Uh, it is just fast and simple and it's no hassle. And don't forget, if you want to buy a pre-owned device, you can also do that from Gazelle too. Um, and don't have to worry about what the history of this device is. Gazelle just takes care of everything. Um, so you can head over to Gazelle, that's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com. Find out what your device is worth. Find out what a new device is going to cost you. And make sure you let them know that Mac Power users send you. Speaking of WWDC, I'm going this year. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to be up there for the week. Uh, probably doing some legal work at the same time, <laughs> but, um, but I, uh, you know, I thought, why not? It's a short trip for me and, and I can't help myself. I'm going to be speaking at the alt comp. So oh, if great. you're going to that, let me know. Great. Um, anyway, uh, so getting back to photos. So let's talk about the scope of this application. We've, we've made mention to some of it already. So at, at the first level, this is a application you install on your Mac and it also comes on your iPad and iPhone that is meant to manage pictures. And, you know, at that level, photos succeeds. And we're going to talk in more depth about what you do with photo manage with it. But, but it's also a portal into iCloud photo library, which is Apple's cloud-based photo storage. And I think those two things really come together. And, and if you're listening to the show and you're, you're wondering about it, I highly recommend that you take a shot with iCloud photo storage because it really, it, the applications become much better 
when you can have that cloud-based photo storage. And they, this actually works. So, you know, take my word for it. Try it for a month or two and you'll see. You'll probably have to up your storage a little bit. And we'll talk about that also later in the outline. But, but in broad terms, photos is an application to manage and edit and share your photos. And it's also a platform to access the iCloud photo storage. And so you, you take that in mind and then you boot it up for the first time and what happens. And uh, the first thing, I, the next piece of this is the setup. And so Apple went to some pretty extensive lengths to make it easy. The first time you boot it up, it'll go find your Aperture, your iPhoto library, and make that conversion over. But I, recommend, I would caution it's almost a little too easy. Um, okay, you push the button and go. Yeah, because I intentionally was not going to migrate my mother over to photos because she was in the midst of a, of a photo book project. And I, I, I knew that photos had come out. I knew that 10 point, uh, 10.10.3 had come out and I thought, you know what, we're just, we're going to finish this photo book project first. I'm not going to upgrade her and, you know, we'll just finish this project and then we'll move her for the next one. And, uh, I guess it got upgraded and photos launched and she pushed something and boom, she was in. Thankfully it wasn't yeah. a big deal, but it's in, it's in your dock and it, yeah. it says, Hey, you want to upgrade? And it doesn't upgrade in the way that you traditionally think it would. It, and what I'm saying is it doesn't irretrievably turn your iPhoto library into a photos library. That's true. After, after you do it, your iPhoto library will still be in the photos and the pictures directory of your Mac. And they use the way they use to do this. It's called hard links. It's a, it's a technology that basically says there's one set of pixels on your drive that are this picture and it could be accessed in both photos and iPhoto. And we're not going to have to make two copies of that picture because, you know, your pictures are probably the biggest source of data on your hard drive. It's basically the same technology that they introduced originally with time machine so that you don't have, you don't have two copies of a photo in your drive for both iPhoto and for photos, it's just referencing the same. Now it's a little bit confusing because if you, if you use a tool um, to, to scour your drive, to see where all of your data is being stored um, and you're, and you're getting info on your iPhoto library and you're getting info on your photos library, it's going to look like you've got two libraries that are the same size. But when you do the math, you don't actually have two libraries that are taking up that much space on your, on your hard drive. Yeah, there's only one version of the image. But but the point I'd make is before the first time you boot this up, and I haven't heard any reports from anyone justifying this, but it's just, you know, what we do because we're Mac power users, is you attach an external drive to your to your Mac. And whether it's Aperture or iPhoto, just drag your library off onto that external drive and just have a copy of it there. Ab- you know, just Absolutely. Just get an extra copy and get it off your hard drive. And and I would say you want to you want to make this extra copy somewhere that's not in your normal backup rotation, or make it somewhere so that it's not going to get re- written over the next time you do a backup. Like I I took a copy and I I zipped it, I saved it, and I put it on my Drobo. Um, I also kind of did a belt and suspenders approach. Do you know um, if you're an Amazon Prime member that you've got unlimited photo storage on Amazon storage? Yeah, we talked yeah. I, we talked about that I think a couple episodes ago when we talked about five essential web services. Um, one of the things that I did in anticipation of photos coming is before I installed 10.10.3, and you can still do it afterwards, is I exported all of my original photos out of iPhoto, and then I uploaded them to the Amazon Cloud Drive. Now, obviously, the further away you get from that date of export, there's going to be some divergence. But I know that, you know, I do have a good, clean copy of my iPhoto library as it existed before I did the export. And I know that all those originals are are up in the cloud on Amazon. 
Yeah. And that's a big project, you know, exporting individual images and putting them on Amazon or Dropbox. It wasn't that big a deal. It it wasn't. I I exported it as I was going out to run errands one day. You know, the export was done within an hour or so. So it was done by the time I came back. And then over that evening, I uploaded them to Amazon. Okay. Well, that would work. And and I, I actually recommend doing that at the end of this process, once you've got your new photos library rolling. But either way, you could do it both times. I don't know. Just back up your pictures. And, Belt and suspenders. And, and if, if nothing else, make sure that you get a copy of your drive, your uh, library on some external drives before you start the whole process. Then once you do that, you push the button and it does the import. And the import itself doesn't take that long. Um, I think it took for my, you know, roughly 30,000 image library a couple hours to make the the transition and it's not changing you know the pixels and the dots and the pictures but it's just you know indexing and reorganizing and getting everything figured out now you mean you mean the import from iphoto to photos not the yes. upload to the cloud no we're going to talk about distinguish that, that okay uh, okay let's just the first part is just getting the import and and the icloud part i want to talk about in a second because that involves paying money and dealing with it um, in fact, when you first start importing, if you set up iCloud, um, you may get a dialogue from Apple saying, hey, uh, this library is bigger than you have space to store it. And there's a there aren't very many uh, preferences in photos, but one of them is, do I store my photos in the iCloud or do I just keep them local? So if you don't, let's say you have one Mac and you have no iPhone or no iPad and you have no interest in cloud storage, you could still use photos just as a photo management app. It could replace iPhoto in that regard and ignore the entire cloud thing. Uh, although for, I think the vast majority of people listening, they're going to want the iCloud photo storage, but getting back that first import is putting the library on your local hard drive. It has nothing to do with the cloud. And that takes a little bit of time, but it's not crazy. And you know, they've got little, you know, tutorials there you can go through as it's importing. Uh, the best thing I would advise, though, is don't do any of that stuff. Just turn it on import and just leave the computer to do its thing. In fact, I don't even like run other applications when I'm importing a photo library. I just don't want anything to get screwed up. So let it run its course. Um, once that is done, then you run into the next issue Katie was talking about. Assuming you've enabled iCloud. Um, it's going to start jamming all of those pictures through your cable or your satellite or whatever way you have to the internet. Yeah, make sure it, make sure you're not tethering at this point. Yeah, don't tether. <laughs> and um, it's going to push it up to the iCloud photo storage. And that will take a while. Um, with my library that was throughout the process of this thing, um, I have actually my library has increased in size because I found some old libraries that I had taken out of aperture because it was breaking but you know throughout the process it, the original upload for me was about two and a half days with with daisy's computer which was thirty six thousand photos it took three and a half days um and it, it just works on it it works on it in the background you're going to see your internet speed slow down for a few days as it goes through that but just let it happen um when you're done um, you're going to have your photos in the cloud, um, but yeah. you kind of you kind of pulled me ahead a little bit. I want to go okay. back. Um, uh, that first import is going to be of one library. So uh, for most people, it's going to be whatever you call your iPhoto library or your Aperture photo library. Um, but that's not the way everybody stores their photos. In fact, for me, it got you know because of iPhoto and Aperture getting slow. I had peeled off sections of my library. So I had like the 2004 through 2008 library. And then 
in, in more recent years, only have a, a library for every year because the images are such such bigger that the files were you know much bigger. So I had like these random libraries stored on my Drobo and other places where I had peeled off all these libraries. Well, you can't. You only really do the the big import once, and and that creates what you essentially call your master library. Then you need to get those images from those separate libraries in. And if anybody's out there and they've got this problem, uh, just to give you a quick uh, primer here. The way you do that is, and I, I tried a couple different ways. I tried importing it separately. I tried exporting the images out of like iPhoto or Aperture as just folders of images like Katie was talking about and then importing, which would work, except, you know, just dealing with iPhoto and Aperture just makes me crazy because they're so slow. So what I found the best way to do that was open those libraries as separate and distinct um, photos libraries. And you can open it as a separate library without being your primary library. And then exporting out of photos there. And I, I show all this in the screencast. So if this is complicated, just get the screencast. You can figure it out. But then you, you and then you bring those photos into your master photos library. So this whole process could take you a couple of days to kind of get everything done. And one of the things I learned going through this is, you know, photos can take it. I mean, I I had these random folders of photographs. Like when we went on our vacation last year, we went to Disney World. And I got to observe Florida lightning for seven days. <laughs> and and so we had all these pictures, but I had given up on trying to get them into into iPhoto because it was just causing too much grief. So I've got this big folder with, I think, three gigabytes of images. And I hadn't I had backed them up, but I hadn't put them into like a main system. So I put those in. So I just started throwing every little I went through every nook and cranny of my hard drives and found all these places I had stored photos and just kept throwing everything I had at photos and it takes it, you know, it'll take all of those in and they will work. And when you get done with this process, once you've got these photos imported and once you've got that big upload done to iCloud, you're going to open it up. And the moment of truth is when you hit the scroll button, you know, see, well, how fast can I scroll through the library? And I found that I could scroll through it really fast. Now, what kind of hardware are you using though? Cause I think a lot of that's going to be dependent on your system. I'm using a three-year-old MacBook Pro for that, and then now I'm using a a much newer iMac, but it worked just as fast on the three-year-old MacBook Pro. Okay. Now, I want to go back to something that you were talking about, um, importing other libraries. And, and for if you missed that, the steps that you were saying, and just to summarize, essentially is some people would have separate photo libraries because they would separate their iPhoto library off and say, maybe all of my folders, all of my photos from, you know, 2000 to 2005 are in this library because I'm going to make this a smaller chunk. And all of my photos from, you know, pre-2000 are in this library, so that's a smaller chunk. And so if you wanted to, say, take that 2000 to 2005 library and bring that into your current library, what you would do is you would export those original images and then bring them into the Photos apps. Yeah, and there's two ways to do that. You could open them in the original application, whether it be iPhoto or Aperture, and export from there. Right. Or you could just open them in Photos, which is, frankly, uh, a little bit snappier, and then export them from Photos. And I just would export them to the desktop. Right. And you can have, have it saved as subfolders. And then you import them into, then you would close out that version of Photos. And then you would open your master library in Photos, whatever that is. And it's probably something in the um, user file slash KD slash pictures that says Photos. And then you open that up. That's your master library. Now my and then you can just, go ahead. Just, dr just drag, drag them, in them in and import them. Now, my concern with that is 
aren't you losing any edits that you may have done to those photos? So if I took photos in that in that photo library, in the example that we're using, my 2000 to 2005 photo libraries, and I just export the originals, if I've cropped something, if I've removed red eye, if I've rotated something, if I'm exporting the originals, I've now lost all those edits, haven't I? There's two ways to export. One is the original source image, and the other one is, um, and this is exporting from photos. Right. Um, there's another one that includes the metadata, location data. I didn't check red eye, like a red eye repair, whether that would work or not. Right. Um, so I don't know for certain, but I think you would be okay with that. I mean, and if if that's not, if there's any risk to that, you can open it in the prior um, application. Like you were saying earlier, if we had Katie's situation where she just exported everything to individual photos and folders before she even started the whole process, um, she could do that as well for those supplemental libraries and then import them. And to import them, you just literally drag them into photos and it, it does the rest. It looks for duplicates. It's it's pretty smart about that. Yeah, I mean, because one of the benefits of of using iPhoto, if you had all of your photos in iPhoto, is that you can always go back to your original photo. Is that if you cropped something or if you rotated something or if you made something black and white, you always had the option to go back to your original photo. Well, that was not always true. I mean, for a long time, iPhoto made copies of your photo. So if you made any kind of change, you would have two copies of the image instead of one or three. Um, with with the new version of photos, they have what they call non-destructive editing, which allows you to keep the source image as always. In fact, I show this in the screencast too, where I start monkeying with the picture. And at some point I just push a button and it goes back to where it started. Mm-hmm. And um, And that's actually, I think, a better method because it takes less room on the drive. All right, but that has been in iPhoto for a while. Yeah. But not forever. Yeah, and and I think this is something that Apple will get better at. They 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 will have ways to merge libraries and you know, I know Fat Cat Software had a piece of software called iPhoto Library Manager that would do some of this. I'm sure people are working on third-party solutions that will let us do this. It's just it's still early days. It is, but um, that first import, I think it's it's a, an important point to make is you get the first import done and then don't be afraid to throw your extra pictures at it. I mean, I don't know, maybe it, it does break at some point. Um, the um, I haven't listened to it yet, but somebody told me they covered this on ATP, Accidental Tech Podcast, and I think Marco or John or one of them said that they were getting slowness with photos. I have to listen to that episode still. And I don't know what the size of his library was or, or what the issue was, but boy... This thing is a rocket compared to what I was getting with iPhoto. Yeah. In fact, I just checked Fat Cat Software, who made the the premier tool for managing iPhoto libraries. Of course, they've released a tool called Power Photos now. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes um, that claims to do all of that with the photo library. And they've got a free trial if that's something you want to check out. And Good. Um, they said that it will help you do things like um, migrate iPhoto and Aperture Library. So this may be a little bit easier way. We'll see. Okay, so, but when you get to the end of this initial phase, you know, you deal with the getting multiple libraries combined into one, and you let your computer upload all the stuff to the internet, what's the payoff? Well, well, that may, the payoff is that now you can open photos on your Mac, your iPad, or your iPhone, and your entire library is going to be available to you everywhere. And, and it's really, I don't know how to understate this. It's just amazing to be on iOS and have access to every image. And if I want to find a picture of me and Katie at Macworld in 2009, I can get it on my phone right now. Some of that's a little scary though, you know? I guess. Yeah. But the, um, I don't, 
I, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's great. No, I know, I know it is. It's just, it's just nothing is forgotten now. There, it's all there. Yeah, I mean, if I if I need blackmail photos of Katie Floyd, I, I've got them with he, me in he, my pocket he's got at them all from, times from the from the Macron parties. Yeah, <laughs> but the uh, and the way they do this is is pretty smart. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, if you think about it, this is the only way to really make it work. Is they don't download the full size image of every picture on your on your phone or on your iPad, but they've got little thumbnails of them. And as you scroll through them, if you pick one, then it goes to the Internet and gets a bigger size image of it. So you get the full size. So you've got the benefit of having them all there, but you don't have to, like, fill up your device with all of the storage with with photo storage. Yeah. Now, have you have you noticed a little more slowness on some of your iOS devices because it is having to churn some of this? Well, there's slowness while it downloads the image, but. In terms of getting through and accessing photos, it's it's great. Um, the the one place that I I see a delay is in the photo picker. Like when you go to pick a photo, right? On, That's what I mean. Uh, yeah, the, it's slower because it's just a much bigger library. But when I'm in photos and working in it, it's just amazing to me. In fact, one of the big benefits of this is that because your photos are everywhere, uh, and I'm going to talk in a minute. Maybe we'll take a sponsor break in a second but the uh, when when you're on your ipad i think the ipad is like one of the best uses for this uh, you can flick through pictures at any point in time in your library and on your ipad it's very easy to delete pictures or make quick adjustments to them and my library is getting you know leaner and cleaner than ever because i've got these great you know full size because i've got the the big ipad i've got the big ipad size versions of all these photos i've taken and even pictures like years ago that I will go through and I'll say, Oh, I took five pictures of my daughter that day. And here's the one good one. I'll delete the other four. All this stuff is so possible now because I can do it anywhere. I can do it on my phone. I can do it on, on my lap with my iPad. I can do it with my computer, uh, even on my, um, my little MacBook, which I'll have to talk about someday. Um, I can see them there as well. Mm. It's just, it's just really nice having your pictures anywhere. Yeah. And and the edits you make will show up across the board as well. So if I crop a picture on my iPad, it'll show up cropped on my Mac and my iPhone. So uh, this stuff is really, I just feel like they've really solved the photo problem in a lot of ways. They haven't solved it in every way, but they've, the big photo management issue is largely handled if you're willing to pay Apple, you know, a few bucks a month to increase your iCloud photo storage and and put your photos in photos. It's it's much better than the idea of I'm just going to put it all in subfolders in Dropbox and and drill for it when I need it. Yeah, you you are very positive about photos, and I know I there's a lot to be positive about. But I am. I well, I, I I think it exceeded my expectations, so that's probably part of it. Right. But also, I'm really appreciative of it because I felt like even though I make a show called Mac Power Users, I felt like I was losing control of my photos because. You know, a combination of poor software, um, increasing size of images, increasing numbers of photos from all the devices I own. It was just becoming overwhelming to me. And this is like a breath of fresh air. It's like, you know, OmniFocus changes your life in terms of task management. The um, This changed my life in terms of photo management. And suddenly this isn't the thing I worry about anymore. I, I can find stuff um, like, you know, and when you get into photos, we, let's just talk about that. When you get open into the photo management screen, it's got these ver- various layers. I mean, they call it years, moments and collections. And so it's very intuitive. If you've got an iPhone right now, you've already seen it or an iPad because it's already in the photos app. And so you've got these sections where you'll see a year and you've got a block of photos underneath it. 
And you can't really identify individual photos, but you can see trends like the Hawaii pictures have all the blue water. So I can see, oh, that must be where we were at Hawaii. And if you tap on that, it zooms into that. And and the way this interface works, it's very easy to go to any point in time in your photo history and find stuff you want. If I want to find those 2009 Macworld photos, uh, I just know to scroll up to 2009. Macworld is early in the year, so it'll be in the first kind of clump of pictures. And I'll see something that looks like a conference room floor or Katie, you know, at a party just being wild. Yeah, because those are really easy to spot. Yeah. And then I'll just click in that general vicinity and I'll get to those photos. Before it was just such a pain to get there. And now it's just so much easier. So um, I I think the organization mechanism, I think it's as good as any I've seen. I mean, there may be a better one out there, but uh, the way they've done it, it makes it very easy for you to go from the macro to the micro. And that's all we can ask for with photos. Yeah. And and all that is done automatically. You don't need to set up albums or anything because it's just going to take the date stamp on all of them and put them on this big clump of pictures. And um, like I said, I, I think it worked really good on the mobile platform. I think it also works good on the Mac. Yeah. Well, I think we're jumping ahead a little bit into to managing and, and things like that. Why don't we take a break and talk about our, our next sponsor and then let's pull back a little bit, talk a bit about photos in the cloud, and then we can move more into to photo management. Yeah, okay. okay. Sorry. I, I'm, I am a You're little so excited overexcited. I know. I know you are. <laughs> well, you can okay. always tell when David's excited about a topic because you can't keep him in the outline. That's all right. Yeah, I know. Okay. That's what they say about me. Uh, so our next sponsor is the Omni Group. And uh, Omni, uh, I talked to them. I said, look, we're going to do an ad spot for you guys. And I, I'd like to make it special for the audience. And they said, we got something special for you. We're going to let you talk about stuff that's not even released yet. So how's that? Um, we talked last month about. Um, well, do we need to blow like the spoiler horn or something? I don't even have a spoiler horn. So mm, I'm, we'll, I, I'm we'll just going to put it out there. Okay. I'm just going to put it out there, Katie. So in the last several months, the people at the Omni Group have been working their tails off. And what they did was they took every one of their iOS apps. A lot of them were iPad only. And they released new versions that are universal and give you a lot of these great features on the iPhone as well, especially since we now have these big iPhones. Um, so they've done that. And OmniFocus most recently, you know, OmniFocus for two is now available as a universal app, which runs on all devices. By the way, I finally got to see it on a six plus and it looks really great. Oh, no. Are um, you having thoughts again? I, I don't I don't want to talk about it right now. <sighs> I don't want to talk about it right now. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so, so glances. Um, so, so then they, not only do they get to the big screen, OmniFocus now is supported on the little screen and that's the smallest screen. In fact, this is the first time we talked about an Apple watch app on the Mac power user. So I guess we should mark this down somewhere, but they, they support the Apple watch now with OmniFocus and it's really great. It's a glance. So when you're looking at your watch, you just swipe up and it shows you what you've going on today, what tasks are past due. And when you get into the app, the, the, the glance will show you the past due tasks, today's tasks, uh, due soon tasks and flag tasks. And even those in your inbox, I've been using it, Katie Floyd. I've been checking off tasks with my phone in my pocket, just going to my wrist. It's really empowering, especially if you use kind of the methods I do where you don't have a massive task list, then it makes it really easy to kind of scroll through and check them off as you're going through your day. Uh, I think it's a, a nice improvement to OmniFocus. Um, OmniFocus, of course, lets you check them off, uh, are marked completely off on your iPhone and from there synced with your other devices. So it's not like you have to do this more than once. And when I was talking to them, they said, you know, we've got some really great stuff in the hopper we're going to have out soon. And you can go ahead and tell your audience about it because we know that Mac Power users listeners are special. And the first one is they're working on a dark mode, OmniFocus for iOS. 
So I thought that was going to be pretty cool. So you're going to have a completely different kind of look to the application. And I know that's going to be kind of amazing when it comes out. But this next feature is one that I have been uh, eagerly awaiting. Um, so have you ever had the problem with OmniFocus where you check something off on one device and it doesn't get synced to the other device for one reason? Either you didn't open it up, like you check something off on your phone and then you get a notification because a due date hits on your iPad and it says, hey, you still need to do this. Um, well, they have background syncing, but the guys at the Omni Group have figured a way to push sync. So when you check something off, it pushes it up to the cloud. So you never get the overdue alert on another device again. I can't wait until this goes public. And then they have a new feature, three words, swipe to flag. These guys are working really hard. Uh, they're going to make OmniFocus even better. Uh, it's a universal app now, OmniFocus 2. It supports all iOS devices. You can go ahead and get it in the uh, Mac App Store. If you've already bought um, separate versions for iPhone and iPad, they have solutions on their website that are going to help you out. Um, they also have Complete My Bundle deals to help you get things. You know, there's a lot of people who may already own one or both pieces. Go to the website. They'll tell you how they're going to deal with it. But if not, this is a great time to get in on it. Check out OmniFocus 2 for iOS. Some fantastic software, and it's only getting better. Thanks, Omni Group. All right, so I got you off track a little bit and started talking about the cloud upload, and you said we'd come back to it, but I'm I'm not sure that we we did, and I think we do need to cover it a little bit. Um, yeah. But but the idea of the the thing that makes all of this fancy stuff work, you know, having your your photos on your iPhone and having your photos on your iPad, and all of those those changes syncing back and forth, um, is the fact that you let your photos upload to the cloud and. Uh, I, I think Steve Jobs said this in one of his keynotes, you know, the idea that the truth is up in the cloud and that the cloud is managing all of this for you instead of your photos living primarily on on one of your devices. And that's kind of the magic that makes this all work. But in order for that to work, you've got to let Apple upload all of your photos to the cloud, which means depending on the size of your photo library, most of us are going to end up paying Apple a little bit more for iCloud storage. And I think my library is not that large. I think I had to upgrade to a 10 gigabyte a month plan, which I want to say was about four or five bucks a month. Um, David, it sounds like you probably had to upgrade a little bit larger than that. I don't mind because it's, you know, a couple of bucks a month, but it, it does add up. And I think if you compare Apple prices compared, um, you know, to some other cloud services, they're competitive. They're probably not the most competitive, but you do get a lot of benefits. Um, but, you know, it is it is iCloud storage space that you can use for some other stuff. But let's talk a little bit about the upload process. I've got a little over 8,000 photos. I know you were dealing with a lot more. Um, my upload took some time. I think it took about two full days of my um, MacBook Air, which I believe is a mid-2012 MacBook Air, churning pretty much constantly um, on, a, on a cable connection, a basic home cable connection, to get all my photos up there. Okay, uh, just to back up a little bit, the pricing as we go to Air to publish this is you get 5 gigabytes for free, 20 gigabytes is a dollar a month, uh, 200 gigabytes is $4 a month, 500 is $10 a month, and one terabyte is 20 And I'm sorry, I um, misspoke. I, I have 8,000 f- 8, photos, not 8 gigabytes. And when the um, when they first announced this, Dropbox was also $20 a month, and very shortly thereafter, Dropbox cut their prices in half. Now you can get one terabyte of Dropbox for $10 a month. So Apple is behind the curve on the pricing uh, what you get for the extra cost, though, is everything just works in terms of your photo syncing. I mean, it's it, it's really kind of a unique experience. If you've bought into the Apple slash iPhone, you know, um, 
ecosystem, uh, I think it's worth it. Uh, and mine, I'm paying, um, actually I'm paying for several people now because I'm paying $4 a month for myself or for a 200 gigabyte library. And I'm also paying, I'm paying $12 a month because my daughter, my wife and I all have 200 gigabyte plans, but we all have separate photo libraries. Yeah. And, and I think that's something it, we need to talk about a little bit later as well. Yeah. Well, that's, that's part of, that's, that's one of the issues, uh, at the end. Uh, but the, um, but I, I feel like the $4 a month, I don't mind paying that at all for this. I just think that it, it's so worth it to me. And I was already waxing on about this earlier, but, uh, I'm, and I'm not trying to, to be goofy about it, but the fact is I, I just have my pictures everywhere and I can work on them anywhere and I just love it. And, uh, and it's just very snappy. So when I was doing the screencast, I would do these things where I would make edits to pictures and have them open on my my Mac in front of me while I was working on edit on the picture on my iPad. And nearly simultaneously, as soon as I clicked the done button, the edits would show up on the Mac. I, I cannot get over how fast it is working because I still remember the old days of dot Mac drives. Remember those things Yep. where you had the dot Mac drive and you iCloud would, drive. No, it was before iCloud. No, no, I'm sorry. I disc, I disc, I, I disc. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and you would update a text file and you could still go make tea before it showed up updated somewhere else. I mean, they have so improved their game with this cloud sync. And in terms of photos, I am very impressed, but you're right. Yeah, it's going to cost you some money. And, and I, I think, and I, I understand that this is very positive and, and I am not trying to poo poo it. I, I think you may have a little rose colored glasses on You know, I know, I, I know you're very positive about this and I know that this is a good thing. There were still some pain points, though, in the in the photo upload. And a lot of people have had trouble with this. Yeah, I think the initial upload is a pain in the butt. It, it definitely um, is. Um, and, and I don't uh, think Apple handled it as probably as well as they could have. I mean, it, it seems to be incredibly processor intensive. I know when I was uploading the photos, it, it was pegging my it's a it's a resource hog. It was pegging my processor. It did not let go. And there really seemed to be no good way to pause it for a short period of time. So if I wanted to pause it to record a podcast with you or to go do something else, there wasn't a really good way to do that. You could pause it for a day and come back to it. But there wasn't a great way to pause it and unpause it and and come back. Um, that was actually a mistake I made in the uh, the screencast. It's the only mistake I'm aware of as this thing goes to air. But the thing's already uploaded and it's already out in the world. So I'll just have to get it in the first update. But I had made the statement that when you pause it, it's, it's for 24 hours. It says pause for a day. And I say, well, I'd rather be able to just pause it a couple hours, but there's actually, when you, when you press the pause button, you've got the ability to press a resume button at any time. So you could pause it for a few hours and come back and resume it. But the, um, but you're right. I mean, it, it's going to be that first upload. It's just like when you start doing a backblaze. Well, but Backblaze is a, a little more, you know, you you can set throttles on Backblaze. You can say, yeah, that's true. Go, it's worse go, than that. go whole it's, it's hog, or you can say, you know, be judicious about how you use my bandwidth speed. Uh, but I, what I would say is that the promised land is worth the journey because, you know, you're going to have to let it get through that. And I, I guess I have better upload speeds than you, Katie, because I got a lot more pictures done a lot faster. Yeah, I guess it could be my internet connection and yours, but the other difference could be that it's you were probably uploading some during the beta period, and I was uploading when everybody was uploading. You know, the first couple of days after it was released. Yeah, I and I'm not saying that um, it's your your internet connection is bad. I'm just saying it's slower. Yeah, because yeah, because I think you paid to upgrade yours. I've I've just got kind of a, a standard level plan. 
Yeah, and we did daisies after it went out to everybody, and it it did faster. So you know, look at the beginning of this process, you're going to be stuffing somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 gigabytes of data up into the internet. There's going to be some pain involved with that, and it's going to take some time. Yeah, but the the two points that I want to make is one, I think Apple could have done a little bit better. Three points: one, Apple could have done a little bit better job of alleviating that pain. Two, you need to be aware of what you're about to do and plan accordingly. And three, despite all of this, I think it's definitely worth it. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's done. And then when you're just putting up, you know, 20 pictures that you took that day, it's unnoticeable. I mean, right. it just happens. Right. Uh, but but that and for the during that period that you're doing that initial upload, you'll open up the photos app on your phone and your iPad. And some of the photos will be there and some of them won't. And you're going to be thinking that everything's all broken. And my advice is just sit tight, let it finish its whole thing, and then you'll be okay. Well, but, and I think the best thing to do also is just to leave it alone. Yeah. You know, That's just, what I meant by sit tight. Yeah. But don't try to mess with it. Don't try to do things. Just let it do its thing. Leave yeah, it alone. Don't make edits. Don't move things around. Just just let it finish. And, and, and keep in mind, even after the upload itself is done, there's, there's going to be some processing that's going to happen too. Yeah. So. But... You know, getting back to Mr. Sunshine here, yeah. <laughs> um, when it's done, it's really fantastic because you've got all your pictures in your pocket, on your iPad, on your Mac. And even like if you've got one of these small SSD Macs, you know, uh, laptops that doesn't have a lot of room, um, you could have all your pictures on that, too, because the stuff can be stored in the uh, cloud storage. Now, let's, this, let's talk about that a little yeah. bit, because that's an important distinction. Apple, Apple gives you two choices. I mean, obviously, you have to initially get all these photos up somehow. So presumably, these, these photos are all on your computer. But let's say, for example, your primary computer is a desktop and you have a, a much larger hard drive there. And so you do the original upload from your desktop and you get all of your photos up there. But let's say your secondary computer is a brand new fancy MacBook with a with a small hard drive. You don't have to download all of your photos to your MacBook. You can you can use a technology called Selective Sync. Yeah, so there's just a switch in there you can throw in. Do you you want all the originals on this computer or do you want to use cloud storage? Right. And if you use the cloud storage and you've got a small drive uh, computer, it'll do just like the iPhone and the iPad. It'll download small thumbnails and you can still see them all. And if you click on one, it'll download that picture. But otherwise, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to fill your hard drive with data. Yeah, and I called it selective sync. That's what Dropbox has used. It's, It's just called optimized Mac storage. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but that there is a pitfall here because yeah. you want them all on one computer because the most important thing about all of this is you have a local copy of your, of your um, pictures so it can get backed up through all your backup systems and whatnot. So yeah, and I, I, I would say you want a local copy on whatever your primary computer is that you do all of your backups through Exactly. So it, using Katie's example earlier, it actually happens to be what I'm living right now. I have a nice iMac that has every one of our photos on it or one of my photos on it. And I have a tiny laptop and it's just got the cloud sync where I can see them all, but I don't have them all downloaded. My wife, on the other hand, just has one laptop. And, and uh, you know, I'm despite the fact that she's running out of storage space, I have not told it to say, put all her photos in the cloud. Instead, I said, hey, honey, you got to get rid of some of these pictures because <laughs> a bunch of them in there don't, you know, she's got like pictures of, of something, you know, she's got pictures of crafting things she took of seven years ago. She doesn't care anymore about. So, you know, she's just got to go through and filter some out. But 
uh, I'm not willing to pull the trigger and say, we're not going to have any computer in this house that doesn't have a master set of her photos on it. As much as I'm excited about iCloud photo storage, I'm not so excited that I'm not going to keep a local copy of everything. So um, if you've got one computer, to me, I don't think that's even an option. Now, if you've got one computer and you're out of space, you can always locate your photos library on an external drive that, you know, you don't have to put it on your computer. You can keep it on an external drive. It's kind of a pain because you got to have that external drive attached anytime you want to. You access could put them. it on NAS maybe though. Yeah. But even then, you know, with photos, I, I just don't think that's really realistic at this point because those are big images and um, I, I don't know, but the, uh, I think you're better off having it something you can just connect to your computer that has a faster interface. But, but either way, you can do that. But what, I, what I'd recommend is, if it's possible, keep your library to a size that it fits on at least one computer in your house. Uh, I would not recommend using iCloud photo storage for everything, including your Mac. So, so take yeah, a, you don't you want know. your only copy of your photos to be in, in iCloud. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, something could go wrong. And um, uh, that's just not a good idea. All right, so mm-hmm. we've talked about the iCloud storage. So assuming that you've, you've bought in, you've, you've put your photos up there, you've gone through that initial pain process of getting the photos up there. I've already jumped ahead a little bit and told you the benefits of this. And that is that the photos just appear everywhere. And as you make changes, the changes propagate across your devices. And if you want to search your photos, you can actually scroll through and search them on your phone, your iPad or your Mac and find them. I mean, one of the things I found about this was a lot of the albums I make, you know, in the past, I got rid of a bunch of them because I don't need the albums as much now because I can get to my pictures in the master list so quickly that it's not as big of a deal. Um, spend some time flipping through there and getting used to the, the whole concept of the years and the moments and figuring out how you can get through them. But I suspect if you if you get in there and once the initial upload is done, you're going to find that you can access pictures much quicker than you ever could before. All right. Now, we do still have our traditional methods of organization, just like we always had with iPhoto. You know, you can still yes. create albums. You can still create smart albums. Um, you can still search. Um, we also have keywords. Now, are you a big keyworder? Um, no, I'm not. I, I, I mean, never I, have been either, and I always wish I did. Well, this is I, I've got keywords. When I went through and looked at my keyword index from my old iPhoto library, there were quite a few in there that I'd created over the years. But what I found was that the time I invested in setting those keywords in never really paid off for me on the back end. It's mm-hmm. like, if I look at the amount of time it takes me to, to create the keywords, how much time did I save later searching with keywords? And it was very little. So it just didn't seem worth it. And and I am the guy who doesn't keep, like as we've already established, I don't keep 200 pictures of every family event. Right. You keep I, the 20 best or something. So it's not that hard for me to kind of scroll through and find them. But um, but I'd like to back up a little bit. We, we kind of went over albums quickly, but the albums function works great here. You can create albums from events. You can also do smart albums and smart albums are something I do use. And Mac Power users, listeners, if they haven't tried this and you get into this Photos app, I want you to try to make a couple smart albums because it's just like making smart playlists in iTunes. It's that simple. And the, the criteria they use is, is a wide variety. In fact, one of the criteria used in the video was show me all the pictures I took because I had an iPhone 6 Plus for a week. Show me all the pictures I took that week. And it, it just searched that camera. It was kind of embarrassing, actually, because in that part of the screencast, it shows all the different cameras I've taken pictures of it. And it says iPhone iPhone 3GS, iPhone 4, iPhone 4S, <laughs> iPhone 5, you know, I don't know. It's kind of embarrassing, but maybe not. Uh, so, so it's got all these, you know, you can search by the camera, the aperture setting, 
But those smart albums are actually quite useful. Like, and you can say, give me a smart album, show me all the pictures from March of 2007. And once you get into the faces features, you could say, show me the pictures from March of 2007 with David in it. So um, as you work with the albums, you can do some interesting organizational work. But I guess the big point was, I'm not sure how much of that you need. Um, And I would recommend getting used to just the way photo management works in the new photos app first before going crazy with that, because you may find you don't need as much as you, you wanted. Yeah. Uh, also, I think the search bar is really great as well. You know, now it has search because you can give photos names and put metadata in and, and search keywords as well. One of the things I like about keywords with the new photos app is they have um, a trigger where you can set a keyword with one keystroke. And I show you how to do it in the video. It's kind of hard to explain on the screencast, but the um, it's kind of nice as you go through. Yeah. Now, one of the big differences that you'll probably see right off the bat, and they did this with iTunes as well, um, is that by default, the sidebar is not on. Now, whether that means they'll completely remove the sidebar in the future, you know, who knows. But for now, the sidebar is still there. Don't worry. You can add it back. Uh, that's a that's a menu option. Um, but I, I noticed that you were you were rocking and rolling without it for most of the time. Have you gotten used to life without a sidebar? Yeah, I, I'm trying to, like, when I do these screencasts, I'm trying to stick with, you know, what the clear direction the developer has for the software. And it seems pretty clear Apple doesn't want a sidebar, even though they've got one there. You can turn it on. Um, it's in the, I believe, the view menu. And um, and then they also have what they call split view, where they show, like, the surrounding pictures. I found the split view useful, but the sidebar stuff I didn't find as useful. Um and part of that was because navigating photos is a lot easier in this year moment um, paradigm that they've created. But if you like, you know, you have a lot of albums and smart folders, uh, there's no reason why you can't turn it on and use it. I mean, and it works in full screen mode as well. Well, I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the updates where where we see photos diverging from iPhoto, because some people have called it iPhoto Plus. Um, and sometimes it's, it's gotten some enhanced features, sometimes not as far as we'd like it to go. So I want to get into a little bit of those features, including some of the editing features. But I do want to take a quick break and talk about our next sponsor, and that is our friends over at lynda.com. Now, lynda.com is the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video tutorials uh, that are going to help you strengthen your business, uh, up your game in technology, and learn more creative skills. And I'm always so excited to talk about Lynda this time of year uh, because David, as we record this podcast, actually about an hour before we got on the microphone and recorded this podcast, I turned in my last final exam for the semester, which means I'm going to have some free time this summer. I'm not done with school. I have another year to go, but I'm going to have some free time this summer. And I am really looking forward uh, to using some of this time this summer to learn about things that I really want to learn about. Some of those things that I've been putting off and I've I've, I've got a a list of things in my lynda.com queue that I've said, you know, when I've got some time this summer, I really want to learn about some things. And summer is a great time. Don't just sit around and, and watch TV and, and let your brain rot. Use use this time this summer to, to learn a few things. And it's a great time for a lynda.com to tor- uh, trial. Uh, you can get a 10-day free trial by going to lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash Mac Power Users. 
Linda is for problem solvers. It's for the curious. It's for people who want to make things happen. You know, one example is, is for my coursework this year, um, I had to get deep into Excel. And I've used spreadsheets before, but I had to start learning how to do some more complex um, functions in Excel. And you know what? There were a couple of Linda.com courses on Excel that I was able to pull up uh, and learn some shortcuts, learn how to do some some really complex functions in Excel, and really become an Excel power user. Learned more about Excel than I ever wanted to know. But it made that class a whole lot easier for me, and I was able to jump ahead uh, than some of my classmates because I had watched those things on lynda.com. Uh, if you want to learn more about the new Office Suite, if you want to learn more about getting things done, if you want to learn more about any of another of topic sources, if you want to learn more about the Adobe suite of products that just recently was updated, uh, you can find courses on all of those things on lynda.com. Uh, watch and learn from top industry experts who are passionate about teaching. You can stream thousands of video courses on demand. Watch them on your own schedule. Learn at your own pace. These courses are structured so that you can watch them either from start to finish or just pop in and grab a bite-sized piece, whatever happens to work for you. The courses also have transcripts that are easy to follow along, so you can go right in and search and find an answer or take notes. And you can even download the tutorials and watch them on the go, including access on your iOS or Android devices. Uh, your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. So whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to take some time to learn something new, take a visit over to lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash Mac power users and sign up for your free 10 day trial. And thanks so much to Linda for their support of the show. Yeah, I think we've done a pretty good job of covering, you know, the management side. Uh, you're going to get in there and roll your sleeves up to learn more about that. But uh, I think the editing functions of photos needs a little bit of discussion. And in the context of this is the prior products, photo, uh, iPhoto and Aperture, which Apple has publicly said they're not going to continue to support or at least continue to develop. Right. Um, and the, um, you know, where does it fit with all that? Well, um, it, it, my uh, my feeling is it's, it's somewhere in the middle. You know, it's kind of the Goldilocks thing. It, it's, it's definitely doesn't have as many advanced um, uh, editing tools as I used to get with Aperture but it's definitely got more or at least it feels easier to use than the stuff with iPhoto. Right. So it's kind of somewhere in the middle, which is, is good for, I think most consumers. If you're a professional photographer, you're going to be using Lightroom or something else. I mean, there's better tools out there, but for most people, I think the tools are just fine. They start with a basic set. They've got like crop and rotate, which are, are smart and clever in the way they you know implement them. It works across the platforms. Like one of the examples I used in the, um, and the video was uh, my daughter took a picture of me and my wife and I don't know what she was thinking. It was crooked. You know, she just didn't get it straight, you know? And so I, um, I can I was never in, get a photo straight. I don't know why. I think my camera's crooked. I, I think my kids can like barely take it with, with taking pictures of me and my wife in public places. I just think they can barely take it. I mean, yeah, I, maybe it's cause it's not cool, but so, so here's the story. Daisy and I are walking down the street, happens to be main street, USA. And, and of course, who walks across but Mary Poppins and Bert? I'm thinking, you know what? Last time I saw Mary Poppins and Bert, my daughter was like five. I'm like, honey, let's go get your picture with Mary Poppins. And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so then I look at my wife. I say, will you get your picture with Mary Poppins with me? And she says, absolutely. And I think by that point, S uh, Samantha was checked out. And she's like, all right, give me your camera. <laughs> you <know? laughs> 
<laughs> so I think it was, I don't think she was really trying that hard. But anyway, so I had this picture. It was, it was all crooked. You're able to rotate it. The tools work exactly the same on the iPad, Mac, and, and the iPhone. So once you learn the tool, you can use it anywhere. And it's very easy to make those types of very basic adjustments. And for a lot of people, cropping and rotating is, is all they're ever going to do to pictures. And, yeah, it, and can, those things, it can add so much to a picture just to crop and rotate it. Oh, yeah. And the other one I did in the video was the, the, Probably the a lot of the pictures in the video, and I'm probably going to lose sales because of this. But uh, um, there was they're from uh, the Star Trek convention that you attended, right? uh, uh, Star something. Oh yeah, Yeah. I think it was Star Wars. So they have a big thing in in Anaheim this year called Star Wars Celebration, and and I went for a day, and it was awesome. I mean, there was all these kids and adults and everybody dressed up and it was really fun uh so i took a bunch of pictures and i thought that'd be a great kind of subject to use as the library as i was going through this uh, although i have to admit there's there's a lot of pictures of me and my family in this video and uh, i had to run that by my family i don't know how else you can teach about a photo application without having some family pictures in there but um anyway uh so uh i was there and there was this great thing that happened it was probably the most precious thing i saw all day it was this kid you know, maybe three and a half feet tall, dressed up as Darth Vader, walking down the aisle. And then a a life-size Darth Vader walks the other direction and they bump into each other. And they have this exchange where they're talking to each other and big Darth is looking down and little Darth is looking up. And you can't tell if they're having words. I think they're just saying nice costume to each other, but it looks, you can put so much more into it. There's definitely an exchange going on. Yeah. And then at one point they high five and it was awesome. And I'm taking all these pictures and this, this big guy just walks right across as I'm taking the picture, not even paying attention. So I got very creative about cropping and teaching about how to crop to kind of make those pictures come out. Right. Uh, but, you know, getting back to the point, um, the basic editing tool set is there. Photo adjustments are better than iPhoto. I, I can say that un- unabashedly because um, in terms of like light color and black and white in iPhoto, what you used to get is this big list of, of knobs and dials you could turn. And if you uh, made your living uh, fixing digital photography, you would know exactly how to use those. But I didn't. So I would like turn up exposure and then something else would get broken because of that. So, you know, everything affects everything else. And what the adjustments do now is they're smart adjustments. So you just say, I want more light on this picture. And so it will turn up the exposure, but it'll turn down the shadows it'll do like it'll make smart moves so like when you say you want more color or less color or more light or less light it'll make adjustments to maybe five different elements of that picture to give you that and that is something that i could not do myself did you figure that out when you're going through it yeah that's great i I think it's i think it's a great that's a great way to do it now you also you always have the option of course to use a more advanced photo editor as well if that's well, something it, that you need but I, I know that my mom for example has been going through and making a lot of photo books with we scanned I think I've talked about this on the show before we scanned a whole bunch of family slides and so we've got hun- well thousands of slides in her photo library and she's taking them and she's turning in, into books and you can imagine that 50 year old slides are kind of you know questionable as to some of them are good and some of them are not so good. Yeah. And and she has spent hours upon hours in iPhoto, you know, dodging, you know, just taking, she, she's got that, what is that, that magic wand tool, you know, just hitting the magic wand tool and, and then hitting the, hitting the little brush tool. And, you know, she, yeah. and she does a lot with that, but I'm really excited to show her the editing tools and photos because I think she's going to be able to do a lot more, a lot more effectively. Yeah. And, and it shows you like if it, it changes five different elements of the picture, when you say I want more light, you can go in and individually pick one of those and tweak right, that and one tweak if it. you want. Yeah. But um, for me, I found that using every time I, 
I tried to make it better myself. I made it worse. And um, using the way they built that in. And this, again, works not just on the Mac, but it also works on the iPad and the iPhone. So you can make pretty sophisticated changes to your photos in front of the TV with your iPad in your lap. It's it's really nice. Now, on the Mac, there are additional editing tools. So I guess I call this the third level. Right. And um, you've got like a histogram, sharpness, definition, noise reduction, vignetting. It's even got filters, you know, which allow you to go through and change specific colors, like turn up the green. So there's quite a bit in there. And if you're good at this stuff, you could make it better. They also have what you call the, what you were talking, the one make it better button. They call it enhance with photos. And I find that it just makes everything more vivid. And maybe that works or maybe it doesn't for you. And then finally, the issue in editing photos, and I know we've been running the show for a long time, so I'm not going to go into this great detail, but there is a way to use these photos with external editors. I mean, on the Mac, it's not as good. Uh, on the Mac, like your photos library can be exposed to third-party apps like Pixelmator, our sometimes sponsor, um, has already built that in. So you can access your photos library from within Pixelmator, and you can make changes, but then you're going to have to send that photo back. And then on iOS, it's even easier because, you know, iOS 8 brought in this ability to take an image and send it off to an external editor and then save it back to your photos library. And there's some really amazing tools out there for that. I mean, something silly like Waterlog, where you turn it into a watercolor, but even things that are very sophisticated filters or color adjustments you can make in a separate app. So you can build photos into whatever you need it to be. And I guess the point I would make is editing photos for most people, you're going to have everything you need in photos. And to the to those few of you who need something more, it will work with those as well. Right. And you can still get your photos out of iPhoto fairly easily. I mean, one of the things that they have built you into... Said, you said iPhoto. Oh, I did say iPhoto. That's going to take yeah. a while, you know? Yeah, I know. Like um, the iWatch, Apple yeah, Watch. Yeah. yeah. You can still get your... your if only I had text ex- a verbal text expander. Do they have that? If we... We, we could all use it so much. <laughs> There's so many things I could use a verbal text expander for. Uh, smile, please work on that. Um, I, think, I think my wife would, would want to edit my file if that was the case. Though. <laughs> um, but there are also a, a lot of great ways to get things out of photos. You know, you were talking a little bit about extension support and, and iOS, but we do have that to some degree. We do have some extensions, especially some sharing extensions um, on photos for Mac. Um, you know, for example, you've always been able to, but you can email your photos individually out of photos if that's what you want to do. And they've got this nice feature where if you if you tend to send things to, to people, it'll save your recent recipients. You can obviously send things out by Twitter, by iMessage, um, or you can airdrop them out. But there's also this ability for third party apps to add to integrate into the Photos app using the third party share extension. So I'll be very interested uh, to see how third parties integrate with that, whether maybe you'll be able to do that round trip into Pixelmator and back out again. Okay, so just to be clear on that, so the, the uh, we, we've moved now into kind of from editing to sharing, and you're right. You have third-party sharing extensions. It's a way to, like, put it into Evernote or put it into whatever pocket or whatever service you want. However, um, that's an entirely different system for a plug-in editing suite. And as oh, I know, I'm it, just saying, I mean, in the yeah. future, I wonder if that's maybe where we're, you know, we do have WWDC coming up. Yeah, it would be nice. I, I, it's got to be on a whiteboard in Cupertino because right. it exists on iOS. And they're like, wait a second, the Mac doesn't have this, but the, but the iPhone does. I mean, that doesn't make sense. And there's some really smart edit, um, uh, third-party developers out there. Like I'm sure Pixelmator would love to just plug right into photos and be able 
to, you know, basically round trip it to Pixelmator to make a local dodge and burn, then send it back. Because like dodge and burn we were just talking about, that doesn't exist in photos. No. You can't edit a, like a, a little portion of a photo. I had a really good picture. Of I can't just stick my hand over it like I used no, to. No, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't. But, but, you know, hopefully we can soon. Okay, so getting to sharing, you're right. You have third-party extensions to share. You don't have third-party extensions to edit the photos themselves. And um, and in addition to email and Twitter and all those things, um, I think the the big the big ticket item for sharing is really this iCloud photo sharing uh, right. that they have, and this has existed for some time now. So you know, the idea is if you go to a family event or a friend event, you can take some pictures and you can set up an iCloud photo share of those pictures and you do it right on your iPhone, iPad or Mac and being an iCloud, you know, paid subscriber, you've got space up there and they put the pictures there. Now you can do a couple things with those pictures. You can say, I'm going to put them out there and a limited group of friends are going to be able to see them, but not add to them. Or you can say a limited group of friends and family are going to be able to see them and add to them. Or I'm just going to put this on the internet and anybody can see it. And there's a case for each one of those scenarios. But the one I use by far the most is where I let family and friends see them and share. And and what this means is every time we have a family event in the Sparks, you know, clan, because probably because of me, partly, <laughs> but uh, also just because we like Apple stuff. Everybody in my family's got an iPhone and and that's my extended family, too, pretty much. So they've all got these accounts. And once I set that up and we have a birthday party or a wedding shower or whatever it is, or just hanging out and barbecuing bratwurst, um, we set up that library and everybody starts putting their pictures into it. And then they get shared across the family. And that's a really great way to share photos. It's not as great as having, well, I'm not going to judge it, but it's not the same as saying I've got my wife's entire um, photos library available to me. But what it is saying the photos that my wife wanted to share from that event are shared with me now. Yeah. And the other thing that it creates, which is not as far as many people had hoped it would go, but if you have set up family sharing, is it will create a, a family um, shared photo album that you can then share things with. Yeah. And there's nothing special about that. I mean, right. you can have a shared one with your family. I have probably 30. And you, you probably letters. already created one, right? But it, that is, yeah. that's the only thing that it's, it creates for you. So you, you probably have individual ones. So you have, you, you have the, the shared one for the, you know, the, the bratwurst barbecue of, of May of 2005. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, um, and that's a good way to go about it. And I, let's just talk about that right now, because this is one of the the problems with um, photos that I'm hearing is people are saying, well, that's great. You know, you've solved the photo problem. I can put them in the cloud. I can see them anywhere. Yay. But Hey, guess what? My wife has 10,000 pictures and I don't, don't see any of them. And, and, and I have 20,000 pictures and she doesn't see any of mine. What are we going to do about that? Um, I would say that um, number one, let's get this first part figured out first. <laughs> I, I'm just so thrilled that the other part works. I guess maybe I'm, I'm giving them a pass on this. But as I was doing the video, I was I was thinking about addressing that. And the thing that occurred to me is I don't want access to my wife's entire library. I don't want thumbnails of, you know, 7000 pictures of, of um, crafts. paper crafts in my library. So so I'm actually OK with her with just being sharing with the ones that she chooses to share with me through this this method I just explained. Uh, but I understand that there are families where they would want to share them all. And my answer is that there isn't one yet. I guess at some point, hopefully Apple will, 
will make some kind of scenario where you can have a shared library, but that just doesn't exist now. If you want that, you would have to um, just keep, go to your wife's library and export whatever pictures you wanted out of it and import into yours. And then you're going to basically have two copies. And that that's in essence what happened with our families that our, our libraries, you know, we had the shoebox, then we had the one Mac and then we had multiple Macs. And at that point, the libraries diverged from one another. And while a lot of the older pictures are the same, uh, some of the newer ones are different on each computer. However, we are all pretty good about setting up these shared libraries. And one of the funny things in the video was I used to have this very specific naming mechanism because that's what I do, you know? And so every shared library would be, it would have the year is two digits and then a hyphen and the month is two digits. So 13 hyphen 05 would be May of 2013. Uh, but then everybody else in my family started making these when we had events and none of them would follow my naming convention. Do, do you understand that? <laughs> So at some point I just gave up and now I just have these n funny named libraries, most of which I didn't even make myself. But um, but I'm just happy that they're also engaged in it, that they're going to the trouble to make them. I mean, we have a um, uh, uh, there's going to be a marriage in the Sparks clan here in a couple of weeks and there's a big wedding shower next weekend and someone has already created the library. I got the, the invitation for it yesterday. I'm, so you've trained it. them well. I said, what's this for? She says, well, I want to, I want to put the decorations in there as I'm getting the decorations ready so they can see them. And I was thinking, wow, th this family of nerds is, is, is going places. Yeah. It just, so, it, it requires a little more manual management. People, people yeah. have to think about it. And maybe that's a good thing because like you said, maybe that way you don't end up with 30,000 photos of crafts in your photo library. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And I'm not trying to, you know, paint this with rose colored glasses. It, it's, it doesn't solve the problem. If, if you want um, to have access to some other person's library as well as your own. This doesn't solve the problem. I'm not sure what does. Maybe at some point it will get easier. But right now with the space con constraints and processor constraints, I think this is, if I had to make the decision, this is, I would have done it the same way Apple did. Yeah. Well, hey, David, my watch just tapped me and said I have to stand up now. So this might be a good time <laughs> for us to to take a quick break and talk about our last sponsor. Yeah, we're going a little long in the show, but uh, this is a big topic. Okay, so let's talk about our last sponsor. though, And that's our friends over at Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Now, we've been talking about Squarespace for a while, uh, but I've just had in the last couple of days a couple emails that made me think about how much I love Squarespace. And, and it's just a, a fantastic place to build a website. One of our listeners had a son who was doing the mission project. And if you're from California, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're going through elementary school, uh, you have to pick a mission because we had the missions of California. And um, and the um, and you have to, when I was a kid, I built mine out of, you know, paper mache and balsa wood, and it was a mess. And one of our listeners who's smart had a son come to him and say, Dad, I want to build a website for my mission this year. And he said, okay. And he said, well, where, how are we going to build a website? And then he remembered hearing about it on the Mac power users. And he said, let's, well, let's try Squarespace because Squarespace gives you a free trial. You can go in there without a credit card and have a website running for two weeks. So his son all on his own built this amazing website with pictures and interactive stuff. And it was, you know, it had more features than some websites that I've seen for companies and restaurants that spent a lot more money than, than this kid spent. And he just did a great job on it. It was just an example to me of how amazing Squarespace is. And then the very next day, I got an email from an attorney in Wisconsin, someone I've never heard of who said, I'm going out on my own. I want to make my own website. 
I've been looking at websites for a month and I decided yours was the best I've seen. Please connect me to your developer. <laughs> and I, I wrote her back and I said, well, I, I spend 10 bucks a month and it's my developer is Squarespace and, and I did it myself. <laughs> so um, it's pretty great to know that um, of all the solutions out there, there's a simple, powerful, beautiful one to make great websites. And it's called Squarespace. They're always there for you when you need them. They have 24 seven support via live chat and email. Plans start at eight bucks a month and you can get a free domain if you buy a year's worth. Um, every site made on Squarespace is automatically going to be responsive to your website. It scales for the iPhone, the iPad, the Mac, whatever size screen it's on, it'll work. Um, and they even have commerce solutions. Every website comes with a free online store. So go check it out. Uh, to get started with your free trial. There's no credit card required. And start building your website today. When you sign up for Squarespace, make sure to offer, to use the offer code MPU, that's for Mac Power Users, MPU. That gets you 10% off, and it shows your support for the Mac Power Users, and we will love you forever. So thank you to Squarespace for their continued support of Mac Power Users. Squarespace can build it beautiful. Where was I, Katie Floyd? <laughs> I, I was know. on I a had, roll. I had to stand uh, up. Uh, did you get your, your time in? Did you get your, your little tick on your wrist? I did. Okay. It tapped me and said I'm good. You know, those, we're going to do a show on the So we can, go, we can go another 50 minutes if you need to. Okay, we're going to do a show on the Apple phone, but just one Wait, wait, comment. did you just call it the Apple phone? The Apple watch, sorry. Ugh. Text I'm expander. I'm looking at words yeah. and talking. <laughs> Text expander for the brain didn't work. Yeah. Um, those rings, those those fitness rings, they right. totally are playing with my head. I know. I, I never, I was always good about walking, but I was never good at getting elevated heart rate. And now every day I'm like finding hills and stuff to climb because I got to get that 30 minutes in or I'm not going to be happy. Well, your watch is not going to be happy at you either. Okay, um, so we talked about iCloud photo sharing, sharing that problem. Um, another way you can share photos out is they still support the photos, the calendars, the cards, all I, that I stuff. Am, I was so nervous about this, and I was so happy to see that they still support the projects because I love photo books. They make great gifts, you know, calendars and cards. Th these are just, I love these, and I'm so glad that Apple's continue to support them. I don't know how big of a market they have with these, but I know other people do them, but, you know, Apple's, I think, are great. Well, the nice thing about Apple is, first of all, that it, for a long time, the only custom layout you could do was in Aperture and in Photo and iPhoto. You you took what they had and you just kind of dropped your pictures in. Right. Uh, with this new version, once again, it's kind of in the middle. You don't have the custom customization that Aperture had, and that you can't like physically drag things around on the page and move them. But they've got multiple designs for each page, and you can select whichever design you want. And because Photos is so much more responsive than iPhoto. The process is a lot less painful. Um, I haven't printed a book out of it yet, but I made a. I started making a sample one for the video, and I'm gonna gonna fit, uh, make a couple more. Uh, these are just a really great idea, and, um, and they aren't that expensive, so that's nice that they still support it. Another point about photos that a lot of people um, are scratching their head over is video, because it holds all your videos too. And I know exactly why they did that, because we're all shooting videos on our iPhone, and we don't know what to do with it. This is another thing where I had a folder on my Drobo saying video and it had, you know, Hazel would create folders based on, you know, date, uh, year and month. And I would just drop them in there and I've got this collection of videos. And at some point I'm supposed to go in iMovie and make a bunch of videos out of them, but I haven't yet and I can't find them and blah, blah, blah. Now it just goes up to your iCloud photo storage and it does it automatically. You can't do any editing in it beyond basic like cropping, but it at least gives you a place to hold them. 
Well, and, and I just I, like that it's a separate place to hold them. I, I found I had 40 videos in my photo library. I had no idea. I found some really great videos, David, that we had taken at Macworld. I had no idea that stuff was in there. I never yeah. would have found that stuff otherwise. Yeah, and it has like they, they do have I didn't talk about it um, when we were talking about organization, but Apple has created its own list of smart folders, you know, like show me all the panoramas I've taken, show me the videos, show me the time lapse. It it does that for you out of the box, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you can do basic edits there, but uh, it has hooks into iMovie, or I would say iMovie has hooks into photos. So if you open iMovie, it can go find those videos right out of photos for you and give you a place to go. Um, the uh, the last subject I want to talk about, and this is, I'm not, not trying to sell this video, but it, it is also covered in the video, is, and I think it's part of any conversation about photos, is um, once you get, a system and you're happy with it, you need to stop and ask yourself how you're doing with your backups. And we talked about backing up before you started the whole process, but I'm thinking about more of a long-term backup solution. I know we talk about this too much on the show, but no, I don't think you can talk about this enough, but, but uh, you know, this is a show about photos. So, so Katie, um, uh, you want to go first, tell us how you're backing up your photos library. All right. Well, I told, I told you a little bit about how I did the backup before. Um, and, I tell you, honestly, I was kind of giving it a while to let that set to make sure that I didn't have any issues with photos. And I will probably do that same export to Amazon again. Um, and I will probably just because I have space on my Drobo, do another kind of post export to, to photos library again. Um, you know, just to have that somewhere because, you know, space on the Drobo is that's the beauty of having it is it's it's almost infinite. But the I do have on my primary Mac where everything is kind of in the back of rotation. All of those photos are downloaded locally on the Mac. So I've got that photos library on my Mac. Um, I'm, I've got that backed up with Backblaze. Um, I'm also doing nightly clones. And then I'm doing, um, I'm also doing disk image clones to the Drobo. Uh, so I, I, and oh, and Time Machine. So I feel like th- those photos are in several places. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the thing, you know, we, we talked about the three, two, one rule, three copies two different media, at least one offsite. I think that's the minimum with photos. I would recommend even doing more and, and it's just a lot cheaper than it used to be. Well, and you also, you also want to have some kind of redundancy in terms of time, because the thing is, is if you're, if you accidentally delete something out of your photo library or if your photo library gets corrupted, I know that there's a way that you can go in and you can pull files out of the package contents, but that's a real pain. You want to make sure that you can, I, I want to have a method where I can go get my photos library as it existed yesterday or last week, even. Yeah. So in addition to, to copy, you can just physically copy the photos library. And that's you know the easiest backup to make. Copy the photos library onto an external drive or put it onto a Drobo or, you know, just, you know, put it somewhere else. That's great. Uh, but the exporting of photos, I think, is, a, is an excellent strategy. And it's very easy in the photos app. In fact, I showed in the video how you can select all of the photos, all 31,000 in my case, and do one operation to export them all. And it's not that difficult. So you could do that and save it to um, a a Drobo or save it, you know, save it to somewhere offsite. Um, I think that in 2015, if you don't have an offsite backup plan, you know, you should really be thinking about that. And that is something that's got a lot easier. I mean, Backblaze was a sponsor for a while. Um, they're not one at this point, but I mean, it hasn't stopped me paying them five bucks a month because I just love the idea of something that will back up the entire computer and my attached Drobo. 
Um, so I've got the pictures backed up there. I've got uh, hard drives in my house are like rabbits. You know, if you put two in a room and you come back in a day, there's three. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how it happens. It know, happens. So, and I've got these variety of hard drives. Some of them are a little old and long in the tooth, and I'm sure they're on the way out. But uh, I can still put bits on them. So I've got some newer hard drives. I got some older hard drives, but I've got my photos library on several of those. And I just, you know, I've just got an OmniFocus task to remind me to do that. I run super duper clones that does it. And you know, so I've, I've got this stuff backed up. I think I've got in the video, I admitted to five copies, but in reality, there's, there's more than that. <laughs> uh, and, and my point is it's your photos. I mean, I, you, I guess Katie has to like get a dog sled and, and ride through the snow for seven hours to get to an Apple store, but no, it's not quite that bad, but it's close. But for me, uh, there's one down the street and I'm in there all the time and I'm buddies with a lot of the people there. And, and they all tell me that the worst part of their job is is that that conversation that they have almost daily with somebody walking in that had a hard drive fail and they have five years of pictures of their kids or all their college photos or their wedding photos or whatever. And they're just gone. You know, they didn't know to back up. They didn't take the time to figure it out. And their hard drive failed and they're, they're just not getting those pictures back. They're just gone. So um, maybe that's why I'm so panicked about it. But I want everybody listening to the show to have many copies of their photos. Yeah. And, you know, there there are still some places where and I know if we don't mention this, we're, we're going to get some flag. Photos is oh. still 1.0. Yeah, I added this to the outline. I, I definitely have some complaints. Um, uh, the first one that I don't understand how this didn't happen is it does all this great stuff. It doesn't allow me to geotag my folders in photos app. I had to do a whole section in the video where I went and bought a third party app and showed you how to do it there before you import. And that's not a problem if you're taking a picture with your phone, because they're already going to have geo data there. But if you've got a point and shoot and most point and shoots don't have geo, um, don't have a GPS in them, uh, you're gonna have a bunch of photos that don't have location data and location is really great for searching. And there's just a whole lot of reasons why you want location data on your photos. And it's just not there. I mean, it seems to me like a no brainer in fact, they had it working in Aperture and iPhoto, and I, I'm just guessing they just couldn't get it done by the time they shipped it. But right. that and seems like one that, that should have been there. You know what? This is what Apple was notorious for doing is they, you know, they redo these apps from the ground up. And it's, you know, it's it's not iPhoto, whatever version we're on, plus one. You know, it's it's a totally new app. Yeah. Uh, and, and if someone from Apple was sitting here, they'd say, yeah, Dave, but now you can actually scroll through your library. So shut up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and you know what? They'd be, they'd be right. But I still wish it would have geotagging. I, I suspect that'll show up at some point. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, it doesn't solve the problem of I want to see my wife's entire library in my library. And I, I just don't think that's realistic. I'm, I'm just so pleased that we got cloud syncing to work um, that um, I, I will give them a pass for a little while on that. And I'm curious to see what the solution is for that, because I'm going to be one of those people that doesn't want to see the entire library of one of my family members. But maybe it would be good to be able to poke my nose in there and, and pick the things I want easily. You know, like just like you can do with some of the I, I, um, the iTunes sharing where you can look at somebody else's library and import selective items. Well, you know, that, that may- was a feature in iPhoto and it's not in yeah. photos. Yeah. So maybe maybe that'll show up at some point. But, um, you know, photos are big. They take a lot of room. And I don't want to just you know grab 20,000 pictures from my wife or in my wife's case, 36,000 photos. But the um, that's something I think needs work. Um, the speed of the application, I think, is great. 
Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe if you have a really old Mac or if you have a lot of photos, you're not going to get that speed. But I can tell you, running the exact same hardware, I have a dramatic improvement in the ability to navigate my library. Uh, what, what are the other complaints, Katie? Uh, I think another legitimate complaint is I'd like to have third-party editor plugins on the Mac. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a I little bit during the show. At some point, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of this will come. It's, it's a question of how quickly. Yeah. Uh, but but in terms of the basic blocking and tackling, you know, make me an editor that I can easily navigate, easily edit and share my stuff throughout all my iCloud devices. I don't think um, I don't think I have any complaints because they they hit all three of those tick boxes. Yeah. You know, a lot of people still complain about the fact that it's still a proprietary package format. And I think there's some val- validity to that argument, too. Yeah, there is. And there isn't. I, I think that some of that comes with the territory. If you want to make something that works this easily across platform. You can get into the, it is a package file. You can get in and yank your photos out of there. If something goes wrong, it's not easy um, though. It's not easy. The file names are ridiculous. Um, a much better idea is to have a regular practice of exporting photos, right. you know, which is what I do. And, 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 and not in ha- and, and having a wacky package content, although I know it allows them to do more things. It, it also keeps, which I understand is also a benefit for Apple, it keeps it from being cross-compatible with other services, like like also having your photos in Dropbox or something else. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a separate track if you're going to do something like that. Well, um, and, yeah, that's, that's, well, that's what Apple does. Yeah, it is. It is. So. Um, it is. Uh, it's not as good as Aperture for editing. And like uh, another complaint, I guess you could have against it. It doesn't have local editing. Like you can't and by that. What I mean is if you've got a picture with a little dark area that you'd like to lighten up, but not lighten up the entire photo, you can't do that in photos. You've got to go to an, a third party place like Pixelmator or Photoshop to do that. Okay. Uh, Aperture had that ability. I don't believe iPhoto did. No. And um, that's something it's not, um, it's not Lightroom or Aperture in terms of organization of photos for like wedding shoots or a professional photographer. But I think if you're a professional photographer, uh, this photos isn't the app for you anyway. Right. And um, the other thing, and I know, I know you mentioned it earlier, is that there, although Aperture still exists, Apple has said it's end of life. Yeah. I mean, if, the, if you want Aperture quality tools, you need to go get Lightroom mm-hmm. <laughs> because Apple's done. And from what I've read, uh, uh, Adobe has really embraced this and said, okay, we want to be the pro tool. So we're going to, you know, we're going to reach out to Aperture people and I'm, I'm sure they're working very hard to find ways to make it, you know, that ramp easier for Aperture users. Right. But, but for me and the, the way I use photos, the editing tools and photos are just fine. And, and the ability, and maybe I think this is partly because I'm a nerd, but just the fact that I have access to all my photos on all of my devices I find that extremely valuable and I've already found many uses for it. You know, just sitting, we were at a, you know, sitting around with some family members and talking and saying, well, remember when so-and-so did so-and-so and, and I said, oh yeah. And not only can I remember that, let me show you a picture of that on my iPhone from, you know, 2008. Right. <laughs> and, and they're like, how did you do that? And, uh, you know, and this is going to be a common thing for people. And, and the other thing is that as a dad going through this process, now that I can have all my uh, photos and all my devices, I find myself, I guess I'm turning into an old man because I sit there in the evening and just look through pictures of my kids when they were like two years old. 
and get, you know, I, I sit there and look at them and my kids are like, what's wrong with you, dad? I'm like, oh, look at this picture. You were so cute, you know? <laughs> uh, and um, before they wouldn't take pictures with Mary Poppins anymore back in the day. And it's really fun having access to all that stuff. So I think it's going to just make me use photos more because I really, as I said at the beginning of the show, I was really feeling desperate. The, re- the reason I made the declaration on the show was to force myself to figure it out. Um, and, and I thought that the solution I was going to bring in 2015 was going to be a lot more complicated than go get photos and pay a monthly subscription. Yeah. Well, I, I like you, am, am, am very happy with the photo solution. I was fairly happy with iPhoto and, and I think photos is a, is a step in the right direction. It's, it's not everything that we hoped for, but I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. I think it shows that Apple is interested in heading in this direction. I too am happy to pay for it. I do want to make sure that I have a good backup. Um, I, I am not a professional photographer. I, I, I don't need fo- to be a photo power user. I just want to be able to have a safe place to put my photos, to be able to see them, to be able to organize them, uh, to be able to make a few basic tweaks. And I, I think photos does that for me. So for me, photos fits the bill. I, I think it will be a better application for more people. Um, and uh, this is certainly isn't the last that we're going to have to say about photo management. It, we've talked about it a lot on the history of Mac power users, and I'm sure we will continue to talk about it. Um, and but the, inter- the interesting thing is we've never talked about it and said, here's the one app you should probably try. Right. That's true. And now we're saying that. And and if you need more information about photos, if you want to learn more how to set it up, or if you want to help somebody else learn how to set it up, uh, David takes you soup to nuts through it uh, in his new Max Sparky field guide. So you can go check that out over at maxsparky.com uh, slash photos. You can also find links to everything that we talked about in this episode in our show notes by going to relay.fm slash MPU slash 255 for this episode. Can I, can I actually, I want to add a couple additional sources. Okay. Um, Jason Snell is writing a book. I, I think it's partially published mm-hmm. for Take Control. He's doing a, a book on photos. And, you know, everything Jason does is quality. And and I thought of everybody that covered it on the web, I thought the iMore people did an outstanding job covering photos. So I would go check out some of the stuff at iMore, too. Yeah. And we'll put links to all of those in the show notes as well. Well, I think that's going to about wrap us up for, for talking about photos today. Although, again, I'm, I'm sure we'll have much more to say on this topic. Um, you can find the show and us on Twitter. The show is Mac Power Users. I'm Katie Floyd. David is Max Sparky. Uh, and you can also find links on our new website at relay.fm slash MPU uh, if you want to contact us with any feedback about the show. And uh, we will see you all a little bit later this week. Uh, Mac Power Users Live is this week. So we'll have a bonus episode for you this week. So we'll see you then.